I don't know where you were at 10 o'clock when it started, but I'm always surprised when I turn around after worship. All right, turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 12. This is actually going to be part two of last week. Matthew chapter 12. Can you hit start on that timer back there? And let's just read, we read a little bit more last week, but let's just read uh, starting with verse 35. It says, The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, found innocent, and by your words you will be condemned, found guilty. Father, we thank you for your word, and I ask right now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you give me clarity, boldness, that you prepare our hearts to receive the word, that it will be planted, sowed, and put to good use, that it would bring a harvest of righteousness for your glory. Amen. Well, you cannot convince me otherwise that God is not listening to every word that we're speaking. Uh, last week, I shared part of this message, um, and it was Monday, Tuesday. When It seemed like every day it was another minister that I was listening to, another book I was reading, or uh, even a preacher on TV that was confirming exactly what I just shared. It was um, almost laughable. What well, was I LOL? I laughed out loud. I really did. Um, quite a few times, even one... I, I finished one book and was jumping into another book, and he used the exact vision that God gave me in the illustration I used last week about the courtroom. And, you know, he didn't say the whole whose table are you sitting at, but the, you know, what do you do when you're called on a witness stand? You, you are, you know, you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and not, you know. And I'm like, you cannot convince me that God is not listening to our every word. He is. And it, that, I mean, yes, we know the, the word is true. But I love that he gives us confirmation that his word is true. Uh, so last week, yeah, I began to speak on the importance of our words through this vision that God had given me um, of this courtroom scene. And today is part two of the message, which is titled, Whose Table Are You Setting At? And for um, time's sake, I'm not going to read the entire vision that God gave me, but let me just paint you a picture clearly. This vision that he gave me of this courtroom that um, I found my myself standing in 
was a huge judge's bench and two tables. Two tables, one being the defender's table and one being the prosecutor's table. Who was sitting at the prosecutor's table but the accuser of the brethren. And the one sitting at the defender's table was our great defender, Jesus, who said, I live now to intercede for you. And immediately I found or heard um, an angel speak to me about, you know, find your seat. It is our choice. And so I quickly went and sat with uh, my defender. And then all of a sudden at the witness stand, I started seeing like scrolling pictures, all these people that I've, I know. Um, some family, some friends, some um, ministers, um, other believers, and then even some faces of people I just passed by. Some even, and if you ask me to explain it, I don't know how I know, um, but it was like groups of people, like, um, you know, groups. I don't know how to explain it. Anyway, and then all of a sudden, I, I heard coming out of my own mouth all these accusations. Like I was, I was um, laying out a defense, a case against them. And I mean, I couldn't stop myself saying these things. And then next thing I know, I heard a little gentle voice ask me, whose table are you sitting at? And all of a sudden, I looked around, and I was no longer sitting with my defender. I was sitting at the accusers, the prosecutor's table. And that just, you know, of course, the vision, and, and I woke up. And this scripture um, came right to mind that, you know, there's only one or the other. And we will be held accountable for every word that comes out of our mouth. Because we either speak in agreement with God or we speak in agreement with the enemy. It's either one or the other. And by our words, we will either be acquitted, found innocent, or we will be condemned. It's by our words. And he is so listening to our words. I heard a pastor just say this, and I was going to look up the scripture, but uh, um, look it up for yourself. Um, that he is so interested in every word that we said that he even has written out a book of remembrance. And he has appointed angels to transcribe, to not transcribe, but to be the scribes and write down. To keep a book of memory. Now, I don't know about you, but I want him to think fond things when he's looking back at my book of words. <laughs> you know? That I can, I can line up that my words were your words. I spoke what you would have spoken. But this whole idea that we can somehow live in this realm of, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> it's not really bad. It's not really, really good, but it's okay. It's, it's, it's not. I didn't mean anything. It was my opinion. It was just what I was thinking. Well, if it's not God's opinion, if it's not what God would think, it is, yeah. Actually, he tells us over and over again, you can't even discern what the Lord's will is, and that's according to Romans 12, too. You can't even discern what the Lord's will is if you don't renew your mind. 
And he tells you right there, do not conform any longer, what? To the way the world would think. Stop thinking like the world. Because you can't even discern what God's will is for your life or, or your day or your tomorrow if you're continuing to think like the world thinks. You have to renew. And that's how you can transform your entire life. Starts here. You know, we talked this out a little bit at staff meeting. And I said, I was, you know, God continues to just give me this little, these little nuggets that are like little, you know, you know, oh, I didn't even see that. I didn't even, what, you know, I was thinking that all this time. I was, I was preaching that all this time. And he kind of goes, eh, you know, and like I've told you before, that little gem that he kind of, you know, that's good. That's good. That's good. It's time to turn it a little bit more. And then you go, oh. I mean, how many times have you heard me preach, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Sounds good, right? He kind of turned that gem for me a little bit this last week and said, why does my word have to be contingent on whether or not you believe it? I went, ah. Uh. He says, so it won't settle it in you unless you can what? Think it through, reason it out, and then it settles it? Why isn't it just, I spoke it, that settles it? And I went, oh. He says, what it, what it should be is, um, I spoke it, God's saying, I spoke it, that settles it. Do you want to receive it? Then you better believe it. And I went, oh. Now that makes more sense. I mean, why were the... Why were the Israelites um, not able to enter into the promised land? Unbelief. Exactly. They didn't believe it. God said it. That settled it. They wanted to receive it, but they didn't believe it, so they didn't get it. Be very careful that what you speak, you're going to be acquitted or you're going to be condemned by what you speak. He put in your mouth the power of life and death. Not just believers. Please, I hope you're starting to get that. I preach this enough. The word said he put in the mouth of all people the power of life and death. You're speaking life or you're speaking death. Now, your opinion, yes. But if your opinion isn't speaking life, what is it doing? Speaking death. Well, that's just how I feel. Okay, is what you feel, what you're speaking, lining up with life or is it lining up with death? If you can't hear that coming out of the mouth of God, you better not be thinking it, believing it, or speaking it. Because if you are, you're lining up in agreement with and patting him on the back. And so this is part two. So I'm going to quickly try to get us up to the part where it's the takeaway. Last week it was like we were getting right up there. But I really got to give you the takeaway of this message. Um, so we did look at Matthew chapter 13. Um, the parable of the sower, which is so important. Actually, I, I think it was, and I've heard even other pastors say that incorrectly titled. It's not, a, because it's not about the sower. 
It's about the receiver. And it's talking about our hearts. It's talking about how we receive and what can crowd in there and what can snatch away the word and make it unproductive or unfruitful or render it powerless is how we receive it. So it would be more, uh, more descriptive to call it the parable of the receiver. I, I mean, it's... Anyway... But anyway, right before, he told the parable of the sword, Jesus did. And then the disciples came to him and asked him, why do you speak in parables? Good question, right? I like it. Some of them, they ask some pretty good questions. Yeah, I would ask. I don't know, maybe I wouldn't because I really love stories. <laughs> um, and he replied, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and whoever, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Um, and I explained this in, in more detail last week, but you read that, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has. That word has, he's describing the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Whoever has the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven will be given more, even into abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has is going to be taken from him. And that word that he's describing in has and have is not a, I grabbed it, I stuck it in a drawer and put it away. Or I have it, and if you ask me for it, I'm going to have to go find it, because I don't even remember where I put it. But those words has and have are actually correctly described as stewarding well. Whoever is stewarding well, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, will be given more. More what? More knowledge to the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But if you do not steward well what you have, what do you have? The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Even what you think you know, have, will be taken from you. Fine, you're not going to use it. I mean, haven't you ever given somebody a gift and then you like sweated and toiled and you thought that was the best give of, of the best give later to find out that it's still on the shelf and they haven't even opened up the box and everything inside of you just wants to go mm, you know that thing yeah I'll take that back I'll find somebody who will appreciate it right I know that's not very loving, and, but it's in there. I'm sure it's in every one of us because it's here. If you don't steward well what I give you, I'm going to take it away. He says that about your finances. He says that about all of his kingdom principles. You don't have it steward well, fine, I'll just take it back from you. But if you do steward well what I give you, what I've given you, I'm going to give you more and more and more. And so then he goes on in this scripture 
And he says, uh, though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. It's fulfilled, the prophecy of Isaiah. You'll ever be hearing, but never understanding. Seeing, but never perceiving. Listen to this. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. They're so stinking distracted. You said what? 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 Did, what happened? Huh? They have closed their eyes. Oh, I don't have to read that. That must be for somebody else. That can't be for me. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But because they're not stewarding well the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, they're not even trying to look anymore to understand. They're not even trying to listen anymore to understand. And their hearts have become calloused. But he said if they would just open their eyes, see what I've given them, open their ears, listen to what I'm speaking to them, turn away from what? Their calloused heart, their heart, calloused heart is indifferent and unchanged by the word of God. He's given you the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. If you continue to be indifferent and unchanged by the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, your heart will become calloused. And though you're coming to church every Sunday, you're still unchanged, indifferent. You're still battling the same problems. Seems like you're in that little hamster wheel of ever, you know, when am I ever, And I guess. And then you start reasoning like the world, thinking like the world. Well, it must be okay for Wayne, but not for me. Or that blessing must be for, but not for me. Or you've put yourself on a pedestal of false humility. Well, God just don't want me to have that to keep myself, you know, you know, whatever. And God wants me to have this sickness because it will keep me humble. And God don't want me to have the riches because, come on, people. Line it up with the word of God. Did Jesus go about saying, you know, your sickness is to keep you humble so I can't heal you? You know, your poverty, you know, is for, well, to keep you humble. So the riches of the kingdom of heaven and all this other stuff that God says he's going to bless you with just doesn't apply to you. Who does that sound like? Dun, da, da, da. The accuser. I mean, we were doing this in pre-service prayer because I'm constantly, since God put this word in my heart, I have to constantly be doing this. Speak truth, speak truth, speak truth. What does God say about me? I am the apple of his eye. I am the delight before him. I am pleasing in his sight. He loves me. He has good plans for me. Prosper me. Give me hope and a future. I am the head and not the tail. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I have the mind of Christ. He has not given me the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound. And I'll just start repeating what? All the truth. Why? Because I'm speaking now what he's speaking about me. Anything less is in agreement with the accuser of the brethren. I won't go there. I'm not going to speak in contrast to God. 
Sorry, I'm really trying to get there. But what do you believe? Think about what you believe. Do you believe the Bible is the divine word of God? Do you believe that everything in the Bible is true? Then why aren't you applying this to your life as diligently as you apply a prescription bottle to your life? I'm not speaking against prescriptions. I'm just simply saying you'll read the instructions on whatever, uh, aspirin bottle or whatever. What's the dosage? How often can I take it? I'm going to follow those instructions. Why? Because it can kill me otherwise. Right? You do that with a prescription bottle. Why don't you do that with this? So here it is, our instructions, steward well, speak the truth, and follow him. Steward well, speak the truth, and follow him. Steward well, again, it's you've heard it, you've seen it, you open it up, you listen, look, listen, and obey. Just like the little prescription bottle. It's not going to get in you if you don't read how to take it and then take it. You know, I could have, I had a, I know in some of you, oh, well, I'm going to say it anyway. You know, I battled a migraine yesterday. Brian's praying for me. Family's praying for me. I mean, I'm driving down the road and Brian's got his hand on my forehead. He's praying on commanding that spirit to leave and bind that headache in the knee. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, don't close your eyes. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm driving. <laughs> but this morning I woke up and it's like, oh, I, am, I'm, I don't care. I'm still going to church. I'm still preaching. You know, you're not stopping me. Uh, so took some Aleve, but if I would have taken the bottle of Aleve and rubbed it on my forehead, wouldn't have done anything. But I had to read the instructions and then I had to take it, put it in, and, and apply it. It's not enough for you to just read the word. As a matter of fact, if you read the word and don't do it, if you read the word and you don't do it, you're being indifferent and unchanged by the word and it's only going to uh, continue to build this calloused heart within you. And he says, you know what? I'm going to start taking what you got. And that's how, have you seen good people, good Christian people, all of a sudden start I mean, sliding down this slope and then next thing you know, you're you're thinking, how did they get so far away from God? How did they, how did they start believing that? It's because they were listening, reading, and being unchanged by. They were doing to the listening to what God told them to do, but not doing it. And their heart becomes calloused, unchanged, indifferent. Uh, we talked about this, I think it was on Wednesday night, which by the way, if you missed Wednesday night, they're just, God has told me. And then Amy even got a word from God. Um, and then another pastor confirmed it this last week when I was listening um, to, a, actually I think it was in a book I was reading, that the amount of time you spend waiting on God is the power and the glory that you'll have in your life. 
But if you come into the service and leave unchanged, you've only visited a building. And we talked, we talked a lot on Wednesday night about this um, holiness and this uh, holy fear of God and, you know, the reverence and respect and awe that, you know, we've lost in our culture today. Um, because we did that pendulum swing, you know. We wanted to be as a church so opening and so welcoming, you know, bring your coffee in, which I would never preach against that. Let's just get that straight. You know, me and God, you know, we got a place. One of my rooms in heaven is a coffee house. You know, all the espresso you want, you know. So anyway, but we wanted to be so welcoming, so opening. Wanted, you know, the kids to feel comfortable that, you know, they can run and do whatever. And it just, you know, it's a big house with many, many rooms, right? And we just wanted to feel comfortable that we've lost the reverence for the place of worship, and now, so then we, you know, we either swing one way or we swing the other way. And all of a sudden, you know, we got the old ladies with the buns standing at the door. Don't bring that in here. And the shh, and the sit down and get that, you know. Come on, just right here, you know. God is holy, yes. But he's also welcoming, yes. With confidence come what? Boldly, where? Before the throne of grace. But a throne means there's a power setting upon it greater than you. And so you don't go in there with a cocky attitude and demand. That's not the boldness and confidence he's talking about. The knowing who you are, who he says you are, and how you can come and feel. I am the apple of your eye. I am your son. I am your daughter. I am well-pleasing to you. You loved me before I was even born. You have good plans for me before the creation of the world. You, you put everything, you know? There's a difference. So to just come in, to steward well, is not just with the written word of God. It's with everything. The money he's given you, the family he's given you, the relationships he's given you, the church that he's given you, the opportunity to come into his presence. You know, everything. everything. The day that you have. The night that you have. I mean, I found myself at night. I lay down and get ready to go to bed after I listen to the word. I'm talking to, you know, God and, you know, your, your spirit man don't sleep. You know that? So I'm like, God, I hope we have some grand adventures tonight. And let me remember them when we wake up, when I wake up. So I just give him permission, even in my night. Go ahead. Let's go. I want to go to Botswana and minister. You know, I, I want to, you know, be translated not just while I'm sleeping, but during the day too. Steward well everything you've been given. Speak the truth. So steward well, speak the truth. I've already started saying a lot of it. Um, listen to the words coming out of your mouth. I mean, this is going to be 
not just a teaching moment. Um, we have to continually be crucifying the flesh. That's why he said, pick up your cross and follow me. Why? Because it's not a one and done. It's a, where did that come from? That thing needs to get nailed to the cross. That's not coming back out again. Continue to follow me, but crucifying the flesh. Listen to the words coming out of your mouth. If they don't speak in absolute agreement with God, then they are speaking in agreement with the accuser. And let me tell you, half-truths are lies. Yeah, see, I saw all the parents nodding. That's right. Half-truths are lies. And half-truths are the devil's playground. Come on. He used it on Jesus, the word. He used it with Eve, you know, the first fall of man. Half-truth. Did God really say that? Well, he just wants you to know good and evil like him. Half-truth. He was quoting the word. And, I mean, I love it how Christians think that for some reason that they can just quote the word at the devil and he's going to flee. He, he'll be like, yeah, I know that. Yep. You know, matter of fact, I was there when that was written. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that one. Actually, it says, draw near to God, then resist the devil, and he will flee. Which makes my mind go to, uh, okay, so only thing I can do is get closer to God, turning my back on that table, heading to this table, and then he'll flee. But if I'm pointing toward that table, and you need to do this, and you need to do that, and don't you know, and quote this, and quote that, and play my worship music, and think he's just going to run, he's like, yeah, I was there. I know all that. He even knows more scripture than you know. Let's just be really honest. What makes him flee then? Drawing near to God. Speaking what he's speaking. Then he'll flee. Sorry, I got off a little bit right there. But listen to the words coming out of your mouth. Speak in agreement with the plans God has prepared for you. Prosper you, give you hope and a future. If it doesn't fit in that, it's not God's will for you. Pretty simple. I mean, think about it. Jesus taught us this is the will of God. As it is in heaven, that's how it's supposed to be on earth. Not, do you think it might be? Maybe for you? No, he says, this is the will of God. If you can't see it in heaven, it's okay. It's not supposed to be here. Well, but how do I know? And what if they... And It's God's will. Is it God's will that any are sick? No. Let me just make that you're all like, I don't know how to answer. No. Or else Jesus would have been fighting against the will of the Father by healing all. 
does everyone die in God's timing? No. Or else Jesus would have been fighting against the will of God by raising the dead. And he would be telling us, don't listen to God. Everybody does not die in his timing. He, you can believe that everybody does, but you know, let me, okay, I just got really confusing here. He commanded us to go raise the dead. Why would he command us to go raise the dead if everybody died in God's timing? But see, those are nice words that we want to say at funerals or, you know, in hospital rooms. You know, that it's okay. It was, it was all in God's timing. And maybe it was. We don't know that. Maybe it was that person's time to go. But don't put it out there that it's always their time to go. I mean, you really believe a baby dying is in God's timing? I don't know. Might be. But I have a command to raise the dead. I have an example in Jesus that he raised the dead. I know you all got really quiet with me because you're, what you're doing is you're trying to line up. Your, you're doing exactly what I said at the beginning. You're trying to define or judge the word compared to your circumstances and your situations and what's happened in your life, aren't you? Because I've caught myself doing the same thing. Now or later? <laughs> Huh? Oh, thank you, thank you. So that's what we do. We get really quiet and we start trying to, well, yeah, but, you know, my, um, like I told you before, I've, I've been a part of a, a lot of baby funerals. I don't like them. Young people's funerals, I don't like them. I like the celebration of life when the person's, you know, 90, 95, you know, that number keeps going farther the older I get. You know, I was about ready to say 70, and I'm like, no, not 70, no, 80, no, not even 80, 90, 95. I like those celebration of life. They're home going. I mean, Jack Van Impey yeah. just went home to be with the Lord yesterday. That's a celebration of a life well stewarded. Well done, thy good and I like that that they even put that on their, you know, their website or whatever it was. Well done. You know he heard that one. So that's a good thing. God's timing, I don't even know that for sure. Right? I don't know. Doesn't change. I mean, I hope he had people praying around my... I hope if you find yourself still in my life and me at death's door knocking, that you are all at my bedside, not ready to unplug me, but to pray over me and raise the dead. I mean, let my own words say, wake up and look at you. No, it's time for me to go now. You can let me go, okay? Unless you hear it come out of my mouth, keep praying for it, okay? There, now you all know. I'll write that in my will. I tell Brian all the time, you do not have permission to pull the plug. 
No. Never. But see, that's what we want to do. Exactly what I said at the beginning. We want to judge the word through our situations. And then we choose whether we believe it or not. And then it settles it. And we just can't do it. We can't explain it. We don't need to explain it. We don't need to know the ins and the outs. I find myself saying it a lot. I, I try to keep myself from saying anything at funerals. Really do. I don't want to say anything. But hug. I'm here for you. Love you. Praying for you. God's love, peace, comfort, all that kind of nice stuff. But when they turn to me grieving and ask me why... Or ask me, is this God? I'm sorry, I'm not God. I can't answer that for you. And it wouldn't do any good right now anyway. They're already gone. But what I do know is that us that are here have a choice to make. What are we going to do? Are we going to believe a situation or believe the truth? Anyway. Jesus prayed. Okay, we said that. This is the will of the Father. If there is no sickness in heaven, then speak the truth. There cannot be any sickness in you. But what if there is? Like my migraine yesterday. Well, what do you do? Doesn't matter. I keep applying the truth. You died for every sickness. You died for every disease. You canceled every assignment. You took every pain and nailed it to the cross, canceling it. Well, my body doesn't feel it. Doesn't change the truth. I just keep speaking the truth over and over and over again. And like I said last week, you keep doing that. You keep speaking what God's speaking concerning your situation over and over and praise him and speak it and praise him and speak it. I don't have to understand. I don't have to know. I just keep speaking in agreement with your word. I keep praising you. You'll take care of everything. Satan will get sick of poking at you. Man, every time I poke her, she praises God. I'm sick of this. I'm out. But if we poke and we fall, oh, <laughs> he's like, oh, this is fun. <laughs> right? Boop, 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 boop. Let's just keep poking you. And just because something is common to this world does not mean we have to surrender to it. The flu, cold, you know, stress, storms, tornadoes. Just because it's common to this world does not mean now we're subservient to it. Actually, he said, I've given you power and authority over what? Everything. Everything. That's why when Jesus told his disciples when he climbed into the boat, go to the other side. Do you think he didn't know? Oh, didn't know there was going to be a storm in the middle of this one. Oh, I'm so glad you woke me up. Where did that come from? No, 
know. He knew there's going to be a storm. I mean, come on. You know, he's all knowing. He told him, you're going to go to the other side. <coughs> Halfway through getting to the other side, storm comes up. All the disciples, what? Went to bow to the storm. Jesus stood up. What are you doing? You make that storm bow to you. Just because it's common in this world doesn't mean, I mean the whole, I caught myself doing this, Jacob I think. We didn't know if he was getting the flu or just ate something wrong because you know boys they eat everything. Anyway, and you know cramping stomach whole thing and you know what do I do and I'm like oh don't get too close to me and I'm like wait a minute. I'll hug and kiss on you if I want to because those germs have to bow to God. That's like John G. Lake. He could hold that, that black plague or whatever that was and it died. Why? Because he understood. He stewarded well the life inside of him. Greater is he that's in me than he, it, flu, cold, germ, whatever it was in the world. And then he said, and follow him. Steward well, speak the truth, follow him. Real simple. Follow him, follow him. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10 says, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it. To us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Even the deep things of God. And reveals them to us. You have been given the mind of Christ. God said you lack wisdom. Ask me and I'll give it liberally. Without finding fault. Why do we keep trying to figure things out on our own? Steward well what he's given you, you'll be given more. And what is he telling? Not just your finances or your family, all that stuff. And the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. And he'll give you more. Speak what he's speaking, follow him. Don't forget whose table you're setting at. Would you all stand? I want to ask you a couple questions as we close. And if you could put on some music for us. I want the staff to help me at the altar time. But let me ask you a couple questions. Have you found yourself sitting at the accuser's table? Is God starting to hit replay on some words you've said before? Whether you're, they're against others or even against yourself.
that God would make that vision he gave me of that courtroom scene just come alive in you right now. See, it's so easy to slip over without even realizing it and sit at the accuser's table. Well, who do they think they are? They can't say that. They can't do that. They just need to go get a job. Why do I have to give them my money? Well, she's getting what she deserves, you know. She shouldn't have done that. She shouldn't have said that. She shouldn't have dressed like that. She shouldn't have went with him. or she would just have you found yourself sitting at the accuser's table question number two have you been applying God's word as diligently as you would Prescription. Let me just say it that way. That was an easy illustration. Or have you become indifferent and unchanged by his instructions? You're reading, you're listening, you're going to church, but doing is more of a buffet. I'll do those things I want to do, and I don't have to do all the things he's asking. yourself becoming indifferent or unchanged by the word I think some of you right now are even starting to feel the, the I don't know another word for saying like the weight of the calloused heart within you which is a good thing not condemning Condemning is not okay. Convicting, compelling, drawing you of an something we need to turn from, repent for, is a good thing. Ezekiel 36 verses 25 and 27 says, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away, and you will no longer worship idols. Listen, I'm not talking about the little stone images that you set up on your desk. Your idol can be yourself. Your idol can be your kids. Your idol can be your job. Your idol can be a God you've created in your own image. He says, you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart. 
and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. When you confess, God, I've been indifferent, unchanged by your word. My heart has become calloused. I'm listening, but I'm not really listening. I'm seeing, but I'm not really perceiving. I need to apply your word to my life. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Help me, Holy Spirit, to steward well what you've given me so that you'll give me more and even abundantly that I'll hide your words so deep inside me that I will not sin against you that I will speak only your words and your truth and that it will be by my words that I will be found before your judgment seat innocent completely innocent because I've spoke in agreement with you and you alone now if you found yourself answering yes to either one of those two questions would you just come up front right now and I'm going to ask the staff to come up front and if you're an altar prayer team member to come up front we're not just going to pray over you we're going to get specific because we have declared you know Wednesday and, and today and from now on that we're not just going to pray with you we have been called to believe with you will you do than I even did where two agree on earth touching anything it will be done so we're not coming hoping for you to be healed or hoping that you'll have an answer or hoping that you'll be healed we're believing with you you will be if you need a breakthrough come up front your answer is already here. Plans to prosper you, give you a hope and a future. Come on, begin speaking this, these things over your own life right now. Think about that one thing you're coming up here for. That answer you need, that breakthrough you need change that you need. You're maybe coming up here for repentance and turning. Whatever that one thing is, begin thanking him right now for that answer. He will withhold no good thing from you. Come on, begin speaking it and start expecting it right now. And I release the staff right now. Start praying for people. Altar workers, start praying for people. Ask them specifically, what do you want? And then nobody, listen to me, nobody's released right now. We're going to spend a few minutes praying for each other. If you're out there, you need a miracle, get up here. If you're walking in victory and you want to pray with us, come pray with us. Come on. 
then Amy and the team will come back and close with a song of celebration and then we'll be dismissed. Come on, let's press in.